enough and it's time for a change! I have so much anger. I feel like I've been raped. In the face! At no point in your rambling were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. gotta know, things you wanna know, things you shouldn't know, and things you absolutely can't forget. And that is the element of surprise. Welcome everybody, uh, my name is Chad Suet. I'm your host on this little shindig we, let, we get to take together every once in a while, into the recesses of my insane brain. Um, okay, uh, before we get to it, let's do the housekeeping. Of course, uh, anybody that's listened to the show by now knows to check us out at www.facebook.com back, <clears throat> excuse me, backslash EOS Mentally Irregular. Uh, you can also find us on Podomatic at eosmentallyirregular.podomatic.com. Uh, from there, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, we're also on Spotify now. Um, if you need to get in contact with me, reach me through the Facebook page. If you can't, Email me at element.2017 at yahoo.com. Okay, uh, without further ado, um, we got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, it's been about two weeks since the last episode, and I've been doing some research. Uh, Roseanne came back. That's new episodes of Roseanne are on the air again. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about when your six-year-old son decides that he's the boss, and that's just how things go. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about scabs, which is, uh, you know, I put a poll up on the uh, Facebook, on the in the Facebook group, asking you guys to vote for what you wanted me to talk about, and it was even three ways. I got uh, scabs, backyard wrestling, and uh, something else. I can't, uh, and I, I can't remember what the other one was, but we're going to talk. I'm going to look it up. and We're going to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to talk about a video game. The video game of the week is uh, for the original Nintendo Entertainment System. It was Yo Noid, where you played as the Noid from uh, the uh, commercials. I think that was Domino's Pizza commercials. And uh, you played as the Noid to go after the green Noid, for some reason, who was stealing all the pizza. But we'll get into that. And then um, <clears throat> Dave McCants, I want to put a very special thank you out there to Mr. David McCants for... Uh, putting a topic of, uh, I asked for you guys to put the top five things you'd want me to talk about. Dave wants me to talk about my top five animal sex scenes in film. So we're going to go over that. And lastly, we're going to talk about why my girlfriend thinks I pay women at random to fart on my dick. So those are all topics to that we're going to go over tonight. Uh, let's start with Roseanne. So it's been 20 years since Roseanne was on the air. And I, I don't know about... Uh, anybody else out there listening, but I was always a big fan of the Roseanne show because it was kind of, it was very real for, for a sitcom comedy. You know, they, they attacked, um, real issues in a, in a realistic way. You know, they were not well off. It wasn't that 
perfect family situation that you would get on uh, like a lot of other sitcoms, you know. They didn't handle things the way Full House handled it, where it was just like, you know, a few hugs and understanding would make everything better. They, they, they pushed that understanding made things better, and hugs would make things better, but they didn't say it makes things go away and everything's all better that way. You know, they understood that it's a very real world out there and the world is very dark and that there's going to be things that uh, you're going to disagree with and you're never going to agree on and you're never going to understand. And, uh, you know, they just dealt with it as best as they could, which is, best, I think, the best way to put it. And that's just, to me, that always came across very real because in um, America, in this country, as a, as a citizen... You know, and I could go off onto many tangents here, but I'm just going to go with this, is that, you know, you're going to be faced with situations every day of your life, and there's going to be situations you know how to handle, there's going to be situations you don't know how to handle, there's going to be situations that you just look at and go, how the fuck did I get here? And you just got to deal with it the best that you can. And for better or worse, that's how Roseanne that's how the show Roseanne dealt with the problems addressed in the show, you know? And so they brought it back after 20 years. And uh, I watched the uh, premiere, and then I watched last week's episode as well. And uh, they, they haven't missed a beat. It's just, it's the same show. It's just 20 years later. It's, you know, we missed 20 years of their lives, but we're picking up 20 years later, and uh, they've covered it. And they also covered a lot of the things that have happened in those 20 years. Like, uh, you know, uh, they addressed... Uh, Dan being uh, dead and then suddenly alive again was that uh, that was all just Rosie's book. And, uh, you know, then they addressed uh, Becky's husband, who uh, he was that Irish actor. I can't remember his real name, but uh, he uh, committed suicide in the early 2000s. Uh, They addressed his death as Becky's husband died. Uh, The only thing they haven't uh, 100% addressed yet is... um, Darlene's husband, played by Johnny Galecki, who's now on The Big Bang Theory, and I'm sure they'll get to that. I'm sure they'll get to it at at some point, but uh, I'm glad Roseanne is back, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Now, I will admit the first episode was a little, little too politically laced for me, but, you know, it's it's better to just get that out of the way. They, you know, just punch that dog in the face, get it right out of the way, and, uh, you know, get get to mowing the lawn, so... That's what they did, and that's just how that's going to go down. So, um, that being said, it's good Roseanne is back. I am looking forward to seeing more of it. Uh, they renewed it for a new season, and Roseanne has already said something about her doing a Halloween episode, which were always my favorite. Um, okay, moving on. Let's talk a little bit about scabs. What, what are scabs? Okay, well, scabs, they, they're basically just dried blood clots that form over a, over a wound, over an injury. Normally not a major injury, like, you know, like if you lacerate your arm deeply, you get stitches, that doesn't really scab up, but, you know, if you prick your finger, or you get a little cut on your hand, you get a scab. And, uh, you know, normally because you don't, we don't really bother on closing those, we know it'll scab up, we know it'll close itself and it'll heal. Sometimes you get a little scar underneath, sometimes you don't. But, uh, you know, what, what do you do with scabs? What's the primary thing that happens once you get a scab? Well, you want to itch it. You want to itch and pick that scab. You want to pick it off. Why do we do this? This is just reopening the wound. You ever heard that term? Oh, you're opening up old wounds? That's what you're doing when you pick a scab. Now, my girlfriend, my girl, 
She is notorious, notorious for picking scabs. She gets excited like a child at Christmas. Like, you remember when you were a kid, or for those of you parents out there uh, who you see your kid on Christmas morning, you see how they excited they get because there's presents under the tree, and they're like, wow, my girlfriend does that. She'll be like, oh, shit, I got a new scab. Pick it. And I'll, I'll immediately be like, oh, don't, don't pick that. Don't pick it. She'll be like, picking. I'm picking it off right now. And, and she'll, she'll start picking her own scab off. Then, if she catches a scab on me or on our son or even on the goddamn cat, she'll be like, oh, scab, got to pick, got to pick. We've had arguments. We've had arguments that could have escalated and gotten very visceral that started over scab picking. Why do we all do this? Why do we all decide that, you know what, I got this scab, I'm just going to pick it off? Do we want to see if it's scarred up underneath? Do we want to see if the wound is still open? I don't rightly understand. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Not to a degree where I see other people's scabs. Like, I don't go see someone that's got a scab on their neck in Walmart and just, like, football tackle them to the ground and be like, let me pick your scab! Give it to me! I don't do that. But, um, you know, if I do have my own scab... I'll catch myself picking it, and then I'll tell myself to stop picking. So why do we all rightly? Why, why do we? Why do we uh, pick our own scabs? Why, why do we do this? It's it's a dried blood clot. It's your body healing itself, and the clot is to protect you from an infection of some type, or you know further damage to the wounded area. Why do we pick this off? And do we, as a species, crave pain that much that we have to pick it off? It's our curiosity. Uh, into what we already know is going to be going on, need to be sated so much that we have to pick the scab off. And also, what size scab do you say, okay, well, that scab is, a, that's a big scab. That one, you don't pick that. You wait. You wait on that one. Like, what would you say, like, the appropriate size scab would be? Like, if you get a cut, would it be like a two-inch scab? Okay, two inches. That scab's two inches. I save that one, let it fall off on its own, wait for it to be ready. Or, you know, is it uh, smaller than that? I don't know. But why do we all pick our scabs? And don't, anybody listen to this, you cannot tell me you don't itch or pick your scabs. We're all fucking guilty of it. Everybody picks a scab. Maybe, maybe we're not all so guilty as getting a happy birthday Christmas morning excited of picking a scab. But, you know, we all pick our scabs. So don't bullshit me and tell me that you haven't picked your fucking scabs because I know you have. And, you know, think about that. Why do we do it? Why, what is it about scabs that we're just like, you know what? I know I shouldn't, but uh, I got to pick this thing. I got to pick it. You know, and for that matter, why do we all pop our zits, too? I don't know. Um, okay. Moving on, moving back to TV. I've been watching, uh, at, at, for no discernible reason whatsoever, I was uh, flipping through the TV stations the other day. And we landed on Dog the Bounty Hunter. And so for the past, I'd say, four days, we've watched very little other than Dog the Bounty Hunter. And uh, as a matter of fact, as I record this, it's on my TV right now. So we're going to go over this show. We're going to go over Dog the Bounty Hunter. Uh, Dwayne Dog Chapman, former convict, former criminal, uh, turned his life around, became a bounty hunter. And, uh, you know, he's been doing it for, uh, what is it, 15, 20 years, I believe. Something like that. Uh, Maybe longer. And uh, maybe around 30 years, actually. And, you know, he's got, got his whole family in on it. 
and they got Ozzy Osbourne. He got famous. They did a TV show, and he's got Ozzy Osbourne. To, they got Ozzy Osbourne to record the uh, the dog theme song, which uh, you know I just I, if you listen to the episode I did a while back where I talked about just changing the lyrics of uh, show openings to just fit nonsense. I I've, I I've been doing that with the dog theme song for like days on end. Here, I'll give you one. I'll give you one about my cat. This fucking cat just sleeps all day long. It's back and head just disappeared. I think it's gonna lick that fart couch. I know it will cause it's the cat. Look at this cat. This crazy woods cat. Do you lift bra? I don't know why I said the lift bra, but uh, you know, it's a dog bounty hunter. Anyway, so you get dog, uh, Dwayne Chapman, you get dog. And you know he's got his whole family in on it. And let, let's go over let's go over this uh, cast of characters that we're introduced to. Right off the bat, you get Dog, whose hair is simultaneously three things. It is a sun bleached pompadour. It is a mullet, and my, me and my uh, girlfriend have been arguing about this. And it is crimped in the back. The mullet is crimped. She says it's not. It's just curly, and that's just how it is. I see that his hair has curl to it, but nobody's hair gets that perfectly curled in the back where it has its own pattern like that. It is crimped. It is crimped. Then we're introduced to his wife, Beth, who is basically tits, high heels, and black leather gloves, which she cuts the fingers off of. Not so that way they're fingerless gloves, but just so that way her, like, long-ass did, like, you know, went to the salon, got my nails, did fingernails, poke through the gloves. Not any not any other part of her finger, just the nails. Because you can't wear gloves with those kind of nails. So she, she accessorized her gloves to fit her nails. She And, and what does Beth do? She, uh, she drives around in the car, and she tells Dog things over the radio. Then when they get to where they're going, she yells at the people in the houses. And, you know, for, the, for like, what they actually do, you know, Dog apprehends them, and then Beth bails them out, gets them out of the, the bail, so that way they can just go to court and get out of jail and move on with their lives, you know? Like, they don't really go after any real super heavy offenders going after, like, murder and stuff like that. It's just people that have basically skipped court dates, which is where a lot of bounties come from in, real, in, in reality. You know, uh, you think bounty hunter, and you think it's going to be, like, this fucking, like, Chechen mobster who's, like, wanted for, like, triple homicides and, like, you know, million-dollar drug running, and it's really not. But, uh, you know, that doesn't make it any less dangerous for them because these people are already on the run, so who knows what they're going to do to stay free. But, um... Uh, you know, so there's Dog and Beth. Then you get their uh, dog son, Dwayne Lee. Dwayne Lee, who um, kind of looks like a buffed-up AJ Styles. Not to say that AJ Styles isn't buffed to begin with, but he looks like a buffed-up AJ Styles with short hair. And he wears his hat backwards. And he's kind of like the common-sense one. Like, you know, whenever they do a camera interview with him, he just, like, straight to, straight face tells you what's going on. He's like, oh, we went to this guy's house. Uh, we're trying to apprehend him. He wasn't there. He's probably running. We're going to try to track him down. Meanwhile, you go to Dog, and they'll interview Dog, and every one of his interviews goes like this. And I'm going to highly exaggerate it. He, he always says that they're getting close. He always says, I feel like we're getting close. And you could, ex- like, you know, all right, so we went to pick this guy up, and uh, he wasn't there. I talked to the lady there. She said that uh, she helped, help, she's been helping him run. She's an accessory to that. She bought him a plane ticket 
to uh, London, England. He uh, he's he's not even in the country right now. She said put him on a plane yesterday to London. There's no way we're gonna catch him, but I feel like we're getting close. And he, like he'll end it with, I feel like we're getting close. It's like you just you just physically said there's no way we're gonna catch him. He is not in the country right now. But you ended it with like I feel I feel like we're getting close. And he does this all the time. And then he gets pumped up over like really crazy shit. Now, he's a born-again born again Christian and everything, so he's real big on God. He tells everybody, go with, go with Christ, bro. I'll pray, circle with them. And, uh, you know, which uh, I find uh, both uh, equally, equal parts moving and entertaining. And I'm not a big religious person myself, but it, it's moving and, it, you know, just, you, you watch the show and it's, it's rare to see somebody that, like, genuinely does care, which is kind of weird being that he just football tackled your ass face first to the pavement. But, uh, you know, Ten five minutes later, he's uh he's wanting to pray with you and save your save your soul, but uh, you know it, it, he does legitimately care about people, so I, I I respect that. We also have uh Leland, who is his uh, dog's other son, and uh, Leland is more like dog in that sense. But like each each one of these characters, I have to tell you for those of you who haven't seen the show, if there's anybody out there that has never seen Dog the Bounty Hunter, um. They all have, like, their own unique characteristics, which, you know, in reality, human beings tend to do. But uh, Leland has, uh, he's got, like, long hair with, like, an, uh, like a very, like, close to the, clo- like, high and tight undercut. And his, his hair uh, is pulled back and it's always braided in the back. He always dresses like a SWAT team member. And uh, Leland, Leland will, uh, you know, he'll take the phone calls and then he'll be, like, very calm. But then he'll get, like, super pumped up when they're driving over there. Be like, okay, so uh, we're going uh, to this guy's girlfriend's house, and hopefully we'll find him. And then you see him driving; he looks so intense, and he's got like sometimes he got like a little smirk on. And before they get there, he loads his. Uh, they have like these pepper guns; they're basically like paintball guns that have like uh, concentrated pepper spray powder in it inside of like these little uh, little cylinders that they shoot. And if it hits you, you basically go down, and it burns the fuck out of your eyes and your throat, so that way you can't run away, but um, Leland, he gets so pumped up, like, he carries, like, two of those things at all times, and uh, they always send Leland around the back of the house for some reason, it's like, all right, Leland, we're gonna try to get this guy, we think he's in this house, you go around back, and you see Leland, like, climbing up on, like, like, he has, like, a makeshift, like, step stool ladder with, like, cardboard, or not cardboard, but, like, a wooden box on top of it, and he's standing precariously on that looking over a fence, hoping that this guy doesn't run, like, he's not going to fall on his ass if he has to jump quickly. And, uh, I've actually seen him do it. Then, um, last but not least, we have, uh, little Lisa, which they call her Baby Lisa, Baby Lisa, which I think is, uh, their youngest, uh, not their youngest daughter, but, like, the youngest daughter, youngest, uh, family member on the team. And Lisa's job on this show, for what I got with them, for what I can understand, is to be slack-jawed and not have any real information whatsoever. Uh, her monologues and interviews are pretty much, uh, pretty much kept to feeling bad for people, saying that she saw somebody run when nobody ran away, and be and like looking slack-jawed, uh, standing there with, like, her jaw hanging as open as a human being's jaw can hang, so, um, and she's got a pretty bad overbite, too, so it doesn't really help at all, it just kind of makes her jaw, her bottom jaw, her mandible disappear, like, into her neck, like, um, like, you know when a turtle or a tortoise 
opens its mouth, and it looks like the bottom part of its jaw just vanished. That's kind of what Baby Lisa's uh, jaw looks like. So that's that's the cast of Dog the Bounty Hunter. And again, they, they just, you know, they hunt bounties. They bring people in for skipping, uh, skipping bail, skipping court dates, things like that. Um, it's a highly entertaining show, and I can't imagine why it took me so long to, like, get this far into it. You know, and uh, my favorite is a dog calling everybody brother. You know, he, I, I think he's called a few, uh, few women brother by accident, actually, on the show. So, to recap, we got dog's hair, Beth's uh, nails that she has customized her gloves so only her, her fingernails come out of, uh, Dwayne Lee, who is just like your every, your, you know, your everyday Joe guy, Leland's, uh, Leland's uh, braided ponytail and pepper guns, and Baby Lisa's slack jaw. So if you, that, that pretty much sums up the show, actually. And then they go and they bring in bounties. Um, all right. Moving on. Moving on. Um, my six-year-old has decided that he is the boss of the house. And it is, um, it's horrible. Like, as a, as a parent, I am getting to the point where I don't know what to do anymore. He's gotten to the point where he tells me, Dad, you can't tell me what to do. Grounding him. Punishing him doesn't work. He just gets angrier at me. Which is, you know, that's fine. He's allowed to be angry. I, he's a kid. He's supposed to get angry. It, you know, kids get angry. That's fine. But he just stays angry at me. And he remembers it. And he gets resentful. I've tried talking him, talking to him about it. And that doesn't work because he doesn't want to talk about it. Or if he does, he quickly changes the subject, thinking I'll forget, but I don't forget. And, um... Let's see, what else? He has started insisting that people sit in certain places. And if you don't sit in your certain assigned seat at the house on the couch, he gets aggravated with you. If you don't drop what you're doing at, uh, at a moment's notice whenever he gets your attention, then he gets aggravated. He, he, wants, you now, he wants us now to walk him everywhere in the house that he wants to go. Dad, walk me to the kitchen. Okay, well, the kitchen is right next to the living room. It is literally, literally a two-foot distance. I think you can walk to the living from the living room to the kitchen under your own power, unsupervised. You are six. You are a child, but you're not a baby. What do you want? I want a hot dog. Okay, I will make you a hot dog. No, I changed my mind. I want I want a, a cereal bar. Okay, you know where they're at. Go get them. Walk with me. I'm not walking four feet to watch you get a cereal bar out of a cabinet that you're fully capable of doing under your own power. Dad, walk with me now. Anakin, you calm down before Dad gets aggravated. Oh, yeah? You can't tell me what to do. You're not going to do nothing. I'll send you to your room. And I will smack your butt. And if you come out, I'll tell you you're grounded. And if you come out again, I'll call the cops. Really? So my son has effectively tried to ground me. And then he jumped straight to, straight to, if the grounding doesn't take effect, jumped straight to, he's going to call the cops on me. Because I wouldn't walk with him to the kitchen. Part of me, part of me that knows better you know, is not going to let him call the cops because I don't want to get fined for him calling the police. But 
some part of me wants to let him do it, and then I want a recording. I want that recording of the 911 call. 911, what's your emergency? My dad won't walk me to the kitchen. Your dad won't walk in the kitchen. Is your dad okay? He's a jerk. He's being a jerk to me. Okay, we're sending someone over. The cops come. I have to explain what being a jerk means. The cop will be like, how's your dad being? Sir, back up. Let me talk to the child. Young sir, young man, how was your dad being a jerk? Was he hitting you? No. Was he, be, was he yelling at you? No. Well, what was he doing, young man? He, I, he was sitting on the couch, and I asked him to get me a, a drink from the fridge. And he said that I was a big boy, and I could get my own drink. Sir, could he get his own drink? Yes, he, yes, officer, he can. All right, young man, show me the drink. And he'll pull out like one of his like Capri Sun pouches. And he'll be like, oh, well, son, son, can you put that straw in? No, I need my dad. Well, I explained to him, bring me the Capri Sun and I will put the straw in. And that's whenever he decided to pick up the phone and call the police. I want that 911 call. I want it. So fucking badly. Despite what the consequences may be. I, I just, I, I believe that that would be worth, uh worth a fine. I, I'd put it, I'd, I would somehow put it on the show for you guys to listen to. It'd be like, a, it'd be something, I don't know. And then he does a lot of other things. Like, you know, he doesn't like to go to school now, so he insists, like, uh, you know, he'll tell me that he's going to take over the school. He's going to tell the principal that he's in charge. And I, I kind of want him to do it. So I can see the, uh, see exactly what happens. Like, I want to walk with him, take him to school, walk with him into the principal's office, and then have my six-year-old kindergartner explain to the principal why he should be in charge. Who knows? Maybe he'll pull a very, maybe he'll pull a rabbit out of his hat. Maybe he'll give a very convincing reason. Maybe he'll have a sit-down conversation with her that will unequivocally explain why he should be running the school. Maybe she will just give up her position to him. I doubt it. I, as a matter of fact, I know that won't happen, but I would love to hear that conversation. I want to hear how that goes down. Um, in other news, update on uh, Slipknot Mudvayne. I uh, told you guys recently that I haven't seen him in a while. Well, he's resurfaced from wherever it is that he uh, has been um, hunkering down, from wherever he's been making his bed at night. And uh, him and New York have resurfaced. And it's a whole new guy. I, I'm not even sure that I can call him Slipknot Mudvayne anymore because of how much he's changed. Uh, previously... Previous description of Slipknot Mudvayne was as follows: the year of the years between 1999 and 2002 were all he ever dreamt of. His fucking pants. You remember those pants that had the legs so wide that you could hide uh, midgets underneath your leg under, in the in the pants and no one would be any the wiser. Those pants have all but disappeared. He now wears a pair of regular jeans with what appears to be a pair of regular shoes. I don't know if those regular shoes were always there because the jeans, the, the large, wide, uh, wide leg jeans were always covering them. But uh, he now wears regular jeans. I caught him wearing, like, not a sweatshirt, but just a sweater, like a regular everyday sweater you'd wear, maybe with, like, a stripe or a, a pattern on it. And just, like, a leather jacket. just Not like a biker jacket, but just a jacket that is leathery in appearance. And his hair is no longer, like you know, spikes in every direction with, like, red or pink tips. It is just a regular person's haircut. His glasses have changed to, like, just a respectable pair of glasses. I don't know rightfully that I can call him Slipknot Mudvayne anymore, but 
for the sake of the show, for the sake of you listeners who know him as Slipknot Mudvayne, I will continue to call him Slipknot Mudvayne. And uh, as always, I will keep keep a wary eye out for the goings-on of Slipknot Mudvayne. Um, straight out of Delmont, I have not seen in a while either. But, uh, you know, he has not yet resurfaced. But, you know, never say never. He'll probably be back soon. Okay. Um, moving on again. It's uh, video game time. So... Uh, per the poll on the Element of Surprise group page, I asked you guys to vote for a video game. And the winning game this week, or for this episode, was the Nintendo Classic Yo Noid, um, which was actually uh, known in Japan as Kamen no Ninja Hanamaru, uh, or Masked Ninja Hanamaru. It's uh, your standard 2D action platform game. Uh, published by Capcom for the Nintendo Entertainment System. It was released on March 16, 1990, and uh, was basically used to promote the Noid. The Noid being the Domino's Pizza mascot from the late 80s. Um, it was... Uh, so the plot of the game goes like this. It's like, uh, you know, suddenly Mr. Green, who is just the Noid with a palette swap, instead of being red, he's green, and they call him Mr. Green. Uh, he has these wild, like, slimy creatures that he has unleashed across, across New York City to cause havoc and uh, steal all the pizzas. So the mayor of New York decides in his infinite wisdom, you know who can stop this guy? I know it. Do we want the cops? No. Do we call Superman? Fuck that. How about Spider-Man? Nope. Can't be, not going to be of any, uh, any, any help to us. The mayor decides that he's going to call Domino's Pizza and enlist the Noid to stop this evil uh, duplicate of his causing all the trouble around the city. Um, and he is paid in wages of pizza. It, the mayor pays him in pizza wages. And so basically, you know, uh, he goes around levels that are based on various parts of New York City and fights the slime creatures and then, um, you know... Goes to uh, get the get the uh, Mr. Green Noid and stop him. Um, he has a skateboard and his weapon of choice was a yo-yo. Uh, he's got a yo-yo that he uses to hit these creatures with because I guess yo-yos are somehow very deadly weapons if you're annoyed. Um, and then the boss battles in the game were just like card games, like and you had to win the card game. Um, there, uh, there's a stage where he uh, whacks penguins. Um, and the Noid uses the Pizza Crusher from the Avoid the Noid commercials. And uh, as I said, this card it's a card-based system where the Noid faces off with Mr. Green, uh, various other color-swapped Noids in pizza-eating contests to, uh, to win and move on to higher levels. Um, in 2017, actually, just last year, there was a fan-made sequel that came out, and it was released digitally, uh, by Freeware, it was called Yo Noid 2 Enter the Void, and uh, I really, really, really want to play that game. I want to see what it's like, because I played Yo Noid when I was a kid. Uh, I lived in Plum Borough. I had a friend, uh, her name was Leanne, who, uh, you know, she was like a, kind of like a pseudo-cousin. Like, her mom was related to my grandmother's ex-husband, and so, like, we grew kind of grew up together a little bit, and, um, we would play video games all the time, and she had Yo Noid, 
And we would sit there and we would play Yo Noid for hours. Never beat it. Never beat it. Don't know how it ends. Um, I almost want to get my hands on it now. I wonder if I can uh, get a copy of Yo Noid for the, the, the new NES that they put out. And uh, maybe finally beat Yo Noid. That would be amazing. But yeah, basically this whole game was just a Domino's marketing campaign. So much so that uh, on the back cover of the instruction manual that came with the game, there was a $1 Domino's pizza coupon. I don't know what $1 is going to do to help you out with uh, with uh, a pizza, but you know, it was 1990. Maybe a pizza was only like 10 bucks, so you you know, 9 bucks. I don't know. But uh, that was Yo Noid, and um, I think they should bring back the Noid. The Noid was, uh, he was a random random, widely character. And in today's platform where you've got commercials where they say, oh, these are terrible quotes, like someone says, you know, whales always be bathing, and it's like, that's a terrible quote. It's like, you know what, yeah, that is a terrible quote, but it's, it's, it's accurate. Whales always do be bathing. We, we are finally in the right atmosphere for the Noid. So, you know, uh, anybody who has any connection to Domino's Pizza who stumbles across the element of surprise here, uh, bring back the Noid. I liked the Noid. I want there to be more Noid. Um, all right. Next, uh, Dave McCants asked me, I put up a thing on the Facebook page to ask you what to give me your top five anything, and I would answer it. Um, Dave McCants, good old Dave, put up uh, top five animal sex scenes in film. And uh, Dave, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't think of five, but I can think of one. I can think of one major animal sex scene in film. And uh, it, it can't be beat, in my opinion, anyway. <clears throat> so it's going to go like that. Okay, well, well, no, wait, there's two, technically. Um, my, the number two would be uh, the movie The Howling, the horror movie The Howling about werewolves. There is a scene where uh, the guy that's turning into a werewolf goes down to the beach, and they, the female that is also a werewolf shows up, and they're both, they both get fucking naked, and they start banging on the beach. But mid-bang, they transform into werewolves, and so they're kind of that's kind of an animal sex scene. And um, so that's my number two. I never thought that could be beat. And then I saw the movie uh, The Brothers Grimsby with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, and there was a scene in that where they hide inside of an elephant's vagina. And then this elephant whose vagina they're hiding in gets fucked by a bunch of other elephants and a giant elephant dick comes in and it starts bashing them in the face and it, it jizzes all over uh, Mark Strong and uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, he gets it in his mouth and he starts puking. Um, I was almost going to go with uh, Freddy Got Fingered, but I remember that's not an animal sex scene. He just jerks off an elephant. So that one technically doesn't count. But uh, Dave, those are my top two. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't think of five. I did try looking it up online, and it was basically just porn. So, you know, can't really, uh, it'd be like, yeah, it was like bestiality shit. So, you know, I mean, technically that's in film, but I don't, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. That's not specifically what you asked for. So I can only offer you those two, and I am sorry. Um, all right, moving on, backyard wrestling. Oh my God, I, I'm a, I, I love backyard wrestling. Back in, uh, between the years of 1998 and 2003, me and my high school friends would go to the trampoline in my backyard and we would wrestle each other on it because we'd watch WWE and w, WCW at the time and, you know, we got really into the wrestling and our, we were always really into wrestling, to be honest, but, uh, you know, we, we started just, we got to that age where we're like, you know what, we can do that, we're going to do that, and so we uh, we came up with, 
our own federation. Um, we called it the EWF, and uh, you know, I, I we developed characters. Uh, my name is Chadwick Suet, so I was I was Wix Wix Deviant. You know, I was the uh, the the anti-hero punk rocker. I was not good or bad. And then uh, my buddy Josh Schmidt was, uh, you know, name drop there, Josh, sorry. But, uh, you know, he was a big fan of Nirvana. So he, he formed a character who was like a grunger. And, you know, he was an enemy of mine. And uh, he, for some reason, he was a fan favorite. Uh, we decided he'd be a fan favorite. He'd play the face. And uh, he was Chris Cobain, named after uh, Chris Novoselic and Kurt Cobain, which is a good name, good gimmick. Chris Cobain, his fit, uh, finisher was a uh, super kick like Shawn Michaels, which he called uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Uh, funny thing. <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, Dane Seville, who is actually my, our buddy Dane, who's actually gone on to actually become a pro wrestler uh, under the name of Mickey Gambino um, in the IWC up here in Pittsburgh, various other uh, independent organizations, uh, Gouge uh, Wrestling down in North Carolina. He was the boss. Dane, the boss Seville. But the boss suffered from like, uh, like there was a personality twinge in him. And uh, he was also, you know, the beast, Dane the Beast Seville. So you never knew who you were getting in the ring with. If you got in the ring with a technical guy who wrestled like Bret Hart, you were up against the boss. But if you got in, a, got, got in the ring with a guy that manhandled you like Vader and fucking threw you around like Brock Lesnar, you were up against the beast. So he had kind of a Mick Foley thing going on with like a dual, dual identity. And we used to wrestle. My, my younger brother, Corey, was, uh, he went by the name of Zed. Uh, he actually, his finishing move was uh, phenomenal. Uh, he had two finishers. One was an X-Factor. Remember X-Pac would do the X-Factor where he'd do the sit-out and facial slam? Corey would do the same thing, but he'd set you up for a pedigree beforehand, and your arms were pinned behind your back. He called it the Z-Degree, very generic name. But uh, his his main finisher that he'd do from the trampoline to the ground, because he was a fucking psychotic, was like a backwards moonsault that he'd twist into a like into a frontward uh, spl- like frog splash. And... Uh, he could, he could do this. Corey was very a- athletic, very acrobatic, and he could do this. So um, he would do this move. I forget what the fuck he called it, but um, we we were having this one match, and we'd tape all our matches on the uh, handheld camera we had at the time. We'd do commentary on each other and stuff like that, uh, set up for other matches. It was it was fun stuff. You know, I, I think everybody that is a wrestling fan at one point in time backyard wrestled, but uh me, me, one, one thing that stands out is me and my brother Corey had this one match one time, and uh, it was for our hardcore title, which, if anybody wants, I'll, I'll post a picture of the hardcore champion, the EWF hardcore championship on the uh, Eliminate Surprise Facebook page. I actually made that out of a saw blade, like a real fucking saw blade, because what's more hardcore than, than a saw blade that you wear around your waist? Uh, matter of fact, speaking of title belts, quick interlude here. Um, championship belts, I want to talk for a second about how you ever notice that they're more of a cummerbund than a belt? Like, they're not used to hold up any pants or anything. They're used for, uh, you know, to display the championship in a fashion sense, which is the main function of a cummerbund. So, if anything, it's a championship cummerbund more than it is a championship belt. But nobody calls it a cummerbund, so we're just going to stick with belt. Anyway, me and Corey were having this video, this videotape match for our uh, EWF Hardcore Championship. And, you know, we got some boxes and some ball bats, and uh, I think there was a chair involved. And we were literally beating the shit out of each other. Um, it, it the, A lot of shit hurt. And we had this one packaging box. It was one of those thick packaging boxes that was like 
four levels thick on uh, cardboard. So it actually hurt when you hit with it. So, you know, end of the match, Corey goes to, uh, or no, 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 I, I, I put Corey down. I, I, I hit him with a clothesline. He goes down. I lay this box on top of him. I'm going to give him a frog splash. Corey throws the goddamn box up and hits me in the face. Legitimately, legitimately gives me a bloody nose. And, uh, you know, I roll over on the ground. Corey rolls me over, puts the box down on me, goes up, does this moonsault that he, like, twists into a frog splash, corkscrews into a frog splash, on top of the box, onto me. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I've watched other backyard wrestling on uh, YouTube and on the internet and stuff like that, where people are just doing, like, they're doing, like, legitimately stupid stuff, but every once in a while you land on, like, one that's actually, like, a good match. And, uh... I, it still doesn't top what Corey did to what Corey did to me that day, in my opinion. Um, we also had a big feud between Chris Cobain and uh, the Beast slash the Boss over the EWF Championship Belt, uh, Cumberbund. That um, you know, they it, Schmidt never won the belt, which which was always a big gag to me because uh, it wasn't that Dane wasn't willing to drop the title; it was more so that he just couldn't see himself dro- legitimately dropping the title to to Josh. Because of who Schmidt was. Not as his character, but who he was in real life. And uh, so there are times where, like, you know, Chris Cobain would hit his super kick, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and that's supposed to put the boss out, you know. Referee would be there, and uh, my youngest brother, Connor, was the referee. And he'd go, one, two, and he'd be making the count. And Dane wasn't supposed to kick out, but he'd kick out anyway just to piss off Schmidt. Not for the sake of, uh, of Dane the Boss, Seville, or Chris Cobain, but from the real Dane Seville's point of view, just to piss off Josh Schmidt. And you could literally see on tape Josh getting flustered. And when Josh got flustered, he didn't get like aggravated like regular people did. His head would bobble like a bobblehead. And uh, his bottom jaw would fumble around like it no longer had muscles to hold it in place. And uh, it, it's one of the, some of the most entertaining stuff. But we we love to backyard wrestle. I, I, you know, we got, we got older. We stopped doing it. Everybody got real jobs and d- drifted apart, as friends do. But uh, you know, I, I I don't talk to them all that often. But when I do, I I always remind them. Like I think we still got one more match in us. You know, we're not so old that it's time to just lay down and die. I think we all got one more match in us. So I, I you know I'm putting it out there. If Dane, Josh, Tim, uh, Andy. Uh, Joe, Corey, um, anybody else that ever backyard wrestled wants to get together and just throw one final shindig, uh, maybe this summer. That would be amazing. We could do the whole, matter of fact, we'll set up the element of surprise. We'll do the whole episode as, you know, our WrestleMania, I guess, as our, as our final hurrah. You know, and we could call that. We could call that uh, the last, we could call uh, EWF presents the, and uh, the element of surprise present the last ride or the last hurrah or whatever, what the fuck ever you want to call it. We'll videotape the whole thing and, uh, you know, it'll just be its own thing. It'll be a whole episode too. I think it'd be a lot of fun. We can have promos and stuff like that. I don't know why I didn't think of that sooner. But, um, you know, so that's that. I love backyard wrestling. I love wrestling in general, but uh, good stuff, good stuff. Um, if you if you want to be part of that, get in touch with me. Let me know. I think we'd all have a have a great time. Um, last but not least, I want to talk to you a little bit about why my girlfriend consistently, and I'm talking like daily, tells me why she thinks that I pay women. Not that she thinks, but that she utterly believes 
Like, you remember whenever I did the episode I called Blasting to the 80s, and I told you about, she thought at my lunch break I'd go out in the car and I'd play 80s jams on the radio and sit there and jerk off furiously? And she said that that's what I did on my lunch break. I would go out and I'd be blasting to the 80s, is what she call it. Well, this is the equivalent of that, but this is what she tells me I do whenever it's just like, you know, oh, I'm running up to Walmart to get some milk, or we need coffee creamer, or hey, let's I got to run across to the street to put gas in the car. Oh, who'd you see out there? You pay How many women did you pay to fart on your dick? Because apparently that's my fetish. So I have detailed, detailed some things that I'm going to tell you now about what we, me and her have discussed, and... uh you know, what it would actually be like from her point of view, I guess. So, you know, like I said, she likes to tell me how much I like getting my dick farted on. She thinks it's like my kink or fetish, uh, you know, but in truth, again, in truth, it's just something she made up. Here is a real conversation I'm sure we've had. Now, granted, I just made this up, but I based it off memory. Uh, it, uh, Chad, what'd you do today? Uh, you know, I went to work. I put gas in the car. Wrong. You were out paying girls to fart on your dick. No. No, I was not. Yep, Dick Farts Wednesday. That's what you did. That's what you were doing today. It was Dick Farts Wednesday. No, I wasn't doing it. Or, you know, we'll lay down on the couch. Like, we'll be laying down on the couch, like, you know, watching TV together, like, after our son goes to bed. And, you know, I'll fart. And I'll be like, oh, man, I hope this cat doesn't come over and lick it. Because, as I previously said, the cat comes over and licks the areas of the couch where I fart. And she'll go, oh, man, Chad, I bet you wish that was some girl who was doing that on your dick. Because, again, she seems to think that I like getting my dick farted on. That's like my kink. Or, or we'll be in bed and she'll fart and go, Oh, man, sorry that wasn't on your dick. I know you want that. You'd give me 10 bucks for that, right? Because, and that establishes that there's a pay scale. There's a pay scale for dick farting. And she also thinks there's like a playlist that goes with it. Like there's certain songs that improve the sexual gratification of getting your dick farted on. So <laughs> I have... I've listed five appropriate songs to play while getting your dick farted on, which I have shown her, and she's given the thumbs up to. She's signed off on. Number one, I'll go from five to, I'll count down from five and get to the number one song. Uh, five, Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Gotta, you know, baby, you just got a kiss from a rose, fart your dick. Don't you want to get your dick farted on by a rose? And, you know, Kiss from a Rose. That's the song, that's the number five song to get your dick farted onto. Uh, number four is the electric slide, for some reason. Uh, number three would be Ray of Light by Madonna. Number two is the theme to Dragnet. Dun, 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 the theme to Dragnet, you know. That's the number two song to get your dick farted on by a woman for a sexual gratification. And number one... Number one is Hooked on a Feeling, which, uh, you know, Hooked on a Feeling, when I hear you know, Hooked on a Feeling. Uh, that's the number one song. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I was singing More Than a Feeling, uh, but Hooked on a Feeling is the song. That's the number one song ever per, per discussion with my girl to get your dick farted on by. So anybody out there who actually has this fetish and is actually into this like I'm not, you know, if you're paying uh, women to fart on your dick, make sure you got hooked on a feeling plan because it will increase your gratification exponentially. Um, but then we get, now we get into, uh, now we get into the pay scale, the price list, 
which, uh, you know, I, I guess is all negotiable. I'm not positive on that, but, uh, cause I've never actually done it, but she's like, you know, she says like a, you know, it's a roundabout price and we'll go from this, uh, for $25, you get just the standard fart on dick. That's just somebody presses their ass towards your dick, like in front of, stands in front of where your dick would be and they fart and that the hot fart blows on your dick for $50 you get multiple farts on the dick. And not they're not all at once. They're not like a repeated fart. We'll get to that. It's just like they'll fart on your dick. You know, five minutes go by. They'll come back over. They'll fart on your dick again. You know, that's $50. That'll cost you 50 bucks. That's 50 clams. Uh, for $75, you get the hot fart on the dick, which is kind of like, you, you know that fart that we all do every once in a while where it farts, but it feels like it kind of burns a little bit coming out? That one. That one is the hot fart on dick that cost you 75 clams. Uh, for $100, you get machine gun farts, which is a rapid fire succession multiple farts all on your dick. Now, for $150, you get that sulfuric odor with the, uh, you know, like that I ate nothing but hard-boiled eggs for a week smell of fart on your dick. <clears throat> for $200, you get the silent but deadly. You don't even know they farted on your dick. They just kind of like breeze past your dick. And then all of a sudden you smell the awful stench, you know, which is different from the sulfuric eggs fart because that you want that. You're paying specifically for that smell to be farted on your dick. The SBD, the silent but deadly, you, you're, you're, you're waiting for it. You don't want to know what, when it's coming. It's just, it, it hits you and you're like, oh man, there it is. And then you ejaculate furiously, I guess, because that's your deal. Um, that's $200 for the SBD. For three hundred dollars, for only the for the for the one-time price only of three hundred dollars roundabout, the girl will press their bare ass against your dick, and like kind of I guess you put your dick in their butt cheeks like a like a hot dog in a bun, and then they will f they will fart. So it'll not only make the butt cheeks flapping sound like the the <laughs> fart sound as it does, but you'll feel it reverberate up your shaft. Of the up the shaft of your dick while while they're farting, and that's three hundred dollars. For five hundred dollars, they will fart on your dick during anal sex. So that means you actually get to put your dick in their butt, and then they fart. So you don't you just get that reverberation from like a whole like you know your your whole dick is just like it's like encapsulated in the fart reverberation. You know, and it, it, it's in like you, like as you're banging, you can hear the little the little coming out. You feel you feel the vibrations on your dick. It's a very gratifying. I understand. Uh, I've never done it, but if you're into that, that's only five hundred dollars. And then for one thousand dollars, this is, it gets pricey. Gets a little pricey, but for one thousand dollars, you can actually blow your load. From a during anal, and then have them fart your own load back out onto your dick. That's a thousand dollars. I guess that'll somehow make you, uh, you know, instantly rigid again. You can instantly get back into fucking them. Uh, I don't know if that's what you want, but those are the prices. So you know, um, now don't lie to me. I know somebody out there is sitting down and gonna be like, hold on, uh, I gotta play that part back. I gotta take these prices down. I don't know where to find these women because, once again, I have never done this. This is something that my girlfriend says I've done. 
This is something she's insistent I've done. I will run outside to get the mail. It is literally 20 yards away, my mailbox. You can see me the whole time, and she'll go, so what kind of, did we get any mail? Yeah, we got the mail. I got it right here. How many girls did you pay to fart on your dick? Well, I I didn't pay any girls to fart on my dick because there's nobody else around. But... She, you know, this is this is the thing she likes to make fun of me with and say that I like to do. But I'm sure somebody out there does. And because of that, I decided to describe it all to you for your own listening. You know, you can get your shit together. You can uh, save up your money, maybe maybe skim $1,000 off of uh, your vacation fund this year and uh, get your own load blown back on your dick by a fart. Maybe just, maybe just take $25 out of your next paycheck and pay someone to fart on your dick. Who knows? The whole pay scale is there for you. you got the track listing of songs to play. Maybe you want to add to that track listing. Maybe you'd like another song. Maybe you want uh, DMX to fucking uh, play a song. I don't know. It's up to you. Everybody's different. But, um, you know, that is the, uh, the whole farting on the dick thing, which I don't know where she started that or where, how it came about. Um, maybe it actually started because one time in bed she might have actually farted on my dick. I don't know. And then just told me that I loved it. I, I don't remember. Uh, maybe maybe I farted on my own ball sack one time and just, I'm like, oh, I farted on my ball sack. And she's like, oh man, you must have loved that. I don't remember how it started. But there it is. There it is. You know, uh, to quote the great Jeff Goldblum, element of surprise mainstay, life uh, finds a way. Okay. All right. I think that's all for today. Um, before I let you go, I, of course, want to tell you to check out a fireside chat with, uh, Element of Surprise, uh, creator, co-creator and, uh, former co-host Ryan McCormick. He does the Element of Surprise, or he did the Element of Surprise with me, uh, back when it originated. Um, and then he did it with Joe Saxman and Tiffany Moore, um, in between. It's, uh, this show's had many incarnations, but, uh, he now does a fireside chat, which you can listen to on Libsyn.com. Uh, with Ryan McCormick, and uh, it's good stuff. You know, he goes between uh, just random talking about random subjects to, you know, getting very real with people sometimes. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really good show. Um, also, there is the McSauce comic book co- podcast with uh, Paul, Ian, and Matt, always putting out some good stuff. Uh, recently, they did an episode where they just did uh, live commentary over the film, uh, the atrocious film, uh, Batman and Robin that had uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze and uh, the green Bane with plant es- extract in his veins and Uma Thurman as uh, uh, Poison Ivy. They did just live commentary over that. So it's, And they got good stuff going on there. You know, they'll uh, recap TV shows, comic books, what's going on in the world of uh, pop culture and comic books and nerdism, basically. Um, also check out Case in Point with uh, Justin Case. Um, he does some very interesting stuff. He... Uh, Kind of goes. He goes over uh, some stuff on his show. Talks about how he's building Kit from Knight Rider. Talks pro wrestling. Uh, Ryan McCormick's on uh, guest guest uh, guest uh, stars on that episode, on that episode a bunch of times. Uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of other good podcasts out there too. So if you don't like any of those, which I think you will, if you like this show, you'll like those three. But you know, always be searching, always find new stuff. Um, recently, I stumbled across a podcast. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, recently, I stumbled upon. A, across a podcast uh, called it's called the I Shake My Head podcast and that's on or it's the Shake My Head podcast and that's on Podbean as well uh, that is hosted by Lisa and Sam I don't know who they are personally but their show is worth a listen I've listened to uh, 
two episodes so far, and it's good stuff, so you might want to check them out as well. Um, okay, that being said, I thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, this is a good episode, fun episode to do. Um, you know, check, j- join us, join us in the Element of Surprise group. Go to Facebook, go to the Facebook page at uh, facebook.com backslash EOS, mentally irregular, j- and check out the Element of Surprise page there. You can uh, like the page, give us a review. Um, from there, you can visit the uh, Element of Surprise group and join us. Join us and be a part of the EOS army. Be a part of the group and get involved with, uh, you know, I put polls up there. I ask questions. I just put some other random shit that I, you know, think of as the day goes on and up there too. And, you know, we try to have fun with it. Um, Until next time, this is your host, Chadwick J. Suet, tuning out, signing off, and uh, reminding you to leave a light on because I might be stopping over. Who knows? Thank you, and cue the fucking bear music. (laughs) 